This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Four minutes after 12 is the time. Um, some suggestions on precisely what David Cameron's new aeroplane had been should be called. I didn't ask for these, but I'm rather glad you've sent them. I like this one, Con Air. Very good indeed. And uh, that's from F. Galucci. And Georgia suggests... I don't know if I can say that on air. I, I, I can go as far as this with incorrigible FCA. He suggests air pork one. I can't imagine why. Four minutes after 12 is the time. Mystery hour is underway. What's it all about? Well, give me a quick chance. I'll tell you. 0345 is the number you need to join in. This is about knowledge. It's a celebration of knowledge. Genuinely. It's about celebrating the fact that we actually can know stuff without having to look it up. This is amazing how much Google and, and search engines have changed the world. Even in the in the first hour this morning, I'm having a conversation about the EU, and I, I mentioned, and, and a few of you have stuck it on Twitter now. So if you, if you follow me, you'll be able to listen to some examples. I mentioned callers historically ringing in to um, uh, complain about all the laws that are made in Brussels, and then being able to name any that they actually have a problem with. And, and one poor fellow emailed me the link to the Google page listing all the direct. I said that's kind of the point I was making. <laughs> if you have to use Google to tell me how awful it is, you can't really explain convincingly why you think it's awful and of course there's a difference between laws that have been issued or directives that have been issued and ones that you genuinely resent having to obey so google uh search engines bing uh, the encyclopedia britannica whatever it may be are all banned for this hour you're going to hear a bunch of people ask a bunch of questions they will all be questions to which the answers remain a mystery to the asker you might know the answer, in which case you can pile in and win a mystery hour round of applause, the most prestigious prize available to listeners to British radio. And um, <laughs> the point is, of course, you can't answer it unless you know the answer. Straight away, you can't look it up. So there's only really two rules for the questions and one rule for the answers. The two rules for the questions are no repetition, no dullness. Dullness very much in the eye of the beholder. I appreciate that. The general rule I have, if, if someone new is producing the programme, for example, I say to them, if you're going to be interested in the answer to this question, stick it on the board. If you're genuinely not going to be interested in the answer to the question, chances are nobody else will be either. So if it's a question about, you know, an exit on your local roundabout and you're not quite sure where it goes or why it's that, that's not really going to translate into a massive item for a national radio station but you, you'll get the gist of it anyway and and repetition that's entirely our responsibility if, if we can remember dealing relatively recently with a question um then we will politely invite you not to come on and ask it again six minutes after 12 the only rule for answers as just explained is um you can't look anything up you absolutely can't look anything up so when you come up with an answer i'll ask you what your qualifications are for providing it to which any answer, I mean, it could be something you saw on the telly last week. It by no stretch of the imagination has to be um, academic qualification. You just say, I saw it on David Attenborough, or I saw it on, on They Do That Donkey. Uh, or, I, I, or it could be that you, you learned it when you were doing your PhD in theoretical metaphysics. I don't know how you got your qualifications. That's why I'll ask you. Okay, 03456060973 is the number you need to get through, but you'll only hear me say it when I have a phone line free, and that is rare this hour. Um, very rare. I used to say it's, it's, it's by far the busiest hour of the week, but to be honest with you, in recent weeks, the switchboard has been so busy, it's, and I've only got ten lines into the building, and they're all full all the time, so I can't really tell whether it's any busier than it is the rest of the time. That's not showing off, that's saying thank you. 
All right, seven minutes after 12. Sean is in Bishop Stortford to kick us off. Sean, what's your question? It's an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's a comedian. (laughs) What's going on on with the Kidderminster Harriers? No, we're turning the corner, Sean. We're turning the corner. Okay. Under Dave Hackaday, our magnificent new manager. Two wins on the turn. Uh, But anyway, I'm not sure that would fall into the category of is everybody else interested in the answer to that question. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I was was on the phone to you last week about champagne corks. And I told my son that I was on the radio. Was he proud? He was very proud. And he said, how do you get fizzy drinks into cans? As in the ring pool? Oh, yeah. How how does that work? I like that. Probably probably the the lid is added after the drink, isn't it? They put it into a sealed canister and then they slightly score the surface, don't you think? You know where the ring pool has that... mm Well, yeah, the ring pool, but it's actually the top of the can. Risky I mean, business. I, I worked in recruitment for a bit, and I, I supplied some staff to Britvic, and I saw them putting fizzy drinks into bottles. And but it's actually the can. Yeah, bottles are easy. I can easily work out bottles, but the can. Mm. Yeah, how do you get? Yeah, how do they do that? How do they do that? Mm. That's my we'll TV show I'm going to pitch, I think, later. How did they do that? <laughs> um, Sean, we'll find out for you. How do they... Uh, it's, it's for your son rather than for you. I like that. Father and son bonding as a direct result of mystery. And you see, Sean was on last week. So all the people who email me complaining about not being able to get through, you need to trust me when I tell you, you need to be quick, you need judicious use of redial, and you need to be absolutely charming to Beth and Jess who are answering the phones today. Nine minutes after 12, George is in Ealing. George, question or answer? Uh, question for you. Yes. What? Why is it... Or what is it, or what's happening when you bash your elbow and your funny bone, for want of a better word, activates? Activates? What's that? Well, there is no better word than activates. Your funny bone yeah. activates. Yeah. So you what, mean, what's uh, in what way do you mean what's happening? I mean, a medical explanation, or, I mean, it's nerves, isn't it? And, and Well, but we have nerves all over our body, but yet it's only our funny bone in our elbow when we bash it in a certain place that it happens, isn't it? So why? Why? Exactly. Why do funny bones exactly. work? Why do funny bones? How do funny bones work? And why do funny bones work? Yeah, what is what is happening to make that funny bone work? And what is that tingling sensation? I love, I love the idea. I'll be I'll be in the kitchen later, n- knocking up some dinner, and I'll go, "Oh, blimey, Mrs. O'Brien!" I go, "What's wrong, darling?" I say, "I've just activated my funny bone." <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes after twelve, funny bones and fizzy drinks. Zach's in Minneapolis. Wow, transatlantic mystery out this week. Question or answer, Zach? Uh, question, please. Carry on. I'm thinking that's not a dramatic pause. Are you still there, Zach? Well, that was fun. Uh, Richard, is it tooting? Richard, question or answer? Are we going to be able to keep the line to tooting clear? Question or answer, Richard? It's a question, mate. Carry on. Um, how do you navigate in space? I've never been there. No, neither have I. <laughs> how does one navigate in space? Let's get the semantics correct on this. How does one navigate in space? Why? why, why I do, do, I'm a bit of a dope on these sort of issues, so you'll have to explain to me why that's a mystery. Um, well, I've, I've just watched lots and lots of sci-fi films, and I was watching one the other day. Just wondered, how on earth do you navigate? How, because, uh, but why wouldn't? Remind me why a compass wouldn't work. Well, because compasses work with with the poles from the earth. So right? I, I, I know. I'm just establishing the parameters of the question. So compasses wouldn't work. Why couldn't you use the star? Why couldn't you use the stars or the moon or or other planets to to, to navigate? Well, um, well, because they're constantly moving, aren't they? See, another good answer. Right, there we go. <laughs> How do you... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I, what's that line in uh, what's that line in Pulp Fiction? Do you remember? Is it is it there's a character called Zach in Pulp Fiction? I don't remember. Doesn't Uma Thurman say at one point, Zach's back, baby? Zed, oh, Zed's back, not Zach's back. Anyway, we've got Richard's question on the board. Zed's dead, but Zach's back from Minneapolis. Zach, what's your question? Yeah, can you hear me, James? I can, Zach. It's great to have you on board. I'm so glad you're back, Zach. What's your question? Um, I'd like to know if, given optimum conditions, if a plant like a redwood tree um, can die of simply old age. Because some trees are thousands of years old. Right. So if you provide the conditions in which no harm is being done to that tree, it can do everything a tree needs to do ad infinitum. Would it live for? I don't. How would how would anyone be qualified to answer that? Um, I'm hoping that Professor Hal he has all the answers, so maybe he'll know. Are you a regular, or do you, do you listen regularly to Mystery Hour from Minneapolis? Uh, I, I do, and I, I've been waiting to call in for quite some time. Oh, so. is that mate? It's a pleasure and a privilege. That's fantastic. Reaching out across the water, two peoples divided by a common language, but united by a common interest in strange facts and knowledge. Can a plant or a tree? Because there, there is no natural expiry date. Uh, there's a yew tree, isn't there, in 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 Britain somewhere? The oldest tree in Britain that's it changed sex recently, whatever that means. But reading that story, I remember it was it was older than... I think it was growing before Jesus was born. 30 minutes after 12 is the time. Let's go to question for Zach. Let's get an answer. So, optimum conditions. Will trees live forever? How do you navigate in space? What What is happening when your funny bone is activated? And how do fizzy drink cans work? 12.13 is the time. Julie is in uh, Fulham. Hi, James. Oh, cheer up, Julie. It's mystery hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, all right um, I've done pondering on my own um, question. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've often wondered why a male seahorse, uh, obviously get, um, the baby grows in the male and it gives birth to it, not the female one. Well, you say obviously. I think some people might find well, that slightly surprising. Well, it's the fact. Yes, I know, but it's not obvious. Well, maybe not, but oh. um, I've, I've known it since I was pretty young. Are you sure that there are male... I thought seahorses were kind of a bit androgynous or something i don't know that i don't know that side of it james no. but i just know the fact that um well i presume it's a fact that the male gives birth and obviously if it gives birth it obviously grows in the male horse seahorse but why, why not i mean why, why shouldn't it i don't know well, i don't i'm not i don't know the ins and outs that's all, as much as i know is that the seahorse gives birth there's the no that I, as far as i'm aware mm. nobody knows why yeah, uh, well, but I'm going to put the question on the board, and and but and, and I will allow a round of applause for someone who tells us that nobody knows why from an academically qualified perspective. <laughs> okay, James. I always dedicate questions like yours to my old geography teacher from school. Whenever we asked him anything that wasn't in the curriculum, he'd say, "Don't know, nobody knows, don't need to know," and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> so, <Good> Julie, <idea. laughs> well, yes, he said, "Don't know, don't need to know, nobody knows." Forty minutes after twelve is the time. Seahorses, trees, spaceships, funny bones, and fizzy drinks. Come on. What's not to like? This. 20 minutes after 12. Jones, the engineer, who has moved on to a very senior management role within LBC Towers, uh, he returns every Thursday from 12 to help on Mystery Hour because he loves it so much. He just said in my ear, I'm glad I'm here, James, because we've got a new team at the moment. We're, We're working on new... Um, uh, uh, tracks and he said I'm glad I'm here James I just had to get them to, to knock the worst question we've ever had he was about to get on air and I've decided to leave it on the switchboard and I'm going to play a little game it's going to come up in the, in the next three questions will be the question that Jones the Engineer who is the only other surviving member of the original Mystery Hour team than me 
the question that he has described as the worst we've ever had is coming up in the next three questions. So will you be able to work out what it is? We'll start with Simon in Croydon. Simon, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on, sir. It's, um, <clears throat> you were right, it's about the uh, filling of carbonated drinks into a can. The, it, the, can, the bottom section is um, filled first and then the top is crimped on. This is all done at very high speed. You can yeah. do about 1,500. In a filling line, they do about 1,500 a minute. So basically, the, the drink goes into the lower, the bottom container, the extra drinks container. That has a lid, uh, um, and the lid is crimped on at, at high speed. And that's it, basically. Oh, so, so, so the metal folds over the lid to make a hermetic yeah, the, seal, yeah, to make little, an airtight seal. That's right, yeah. On the container below, there's a little lit, lit and the, the lid is, is pushed down, and then it crimps over. With, with a bit of heat, presumably, to seal it. Yeah, but at very high speed. And... The lid, then the ring pull and everything is in place before the lid it's is put on. It's preformed, yeah. Ah, preformed. I sense there that he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, what are your qualifications, Simon? I have an invention which is designed to go down a filling line, but the bottom section isn't aluminium, it's plastic. Designed to go into the events market where you have to um, serve in, in paper or plastic cups. Oh, Not I see. market yet, Oh, well, no, that's, it, it, there's a gap, isn't there, in that moment? I hope, I hope there is for your sake. Well, I mean, yeah, you get queues in venues and sports grounds and stuff for bars because they have to dispense into plastic or paper cups. So this would, you mm -hmm. would remove the lid wholly. So we don't have a ring pull. We twist the top, it comes off. Um, and Ooh, I like uh, it. served in a plastic cup. It takes about two, two seconds to serve instead of 14. Yeah, good luck with that. Where, where, how, where, how far down the road are you towards... Uh, all patented up and yeah. just trying to get a brewery to take us up, basically. Fantastic stuff. Now, go on, tell me what it's called. <laughs> Sorry? The Bevy Pack, B-E-V-I and then P-A-K, like Tetra Pack. Well, if you, do as well, if you do as well as them, Simon, then I'll, I'll be coming to you soon, I think. I'll, for, I'll be very happy. <laughs> I think they're the richest people in the world almost now, the Rousings. Great work from Simon there. And you see the, the calibre of caller to Mystery Hour just continues to astound. 03456060973 is the number you need. Remember, I'll only say the number if I've got phone lines free. So this is, I've bid farewell to Simon. There's two phone lines free at the moment. You can grab one of them if you're very quick. Questions still in need of answers. Precisely what happens when you activate your funny bone? How do you navigate in space? Is it possible... Uh, can, can a tree live forever? Some, some of the redwoods, the giant redwoods in Canada, are thousands of years old. There are trees in this country country that are older than um, the country, older than the nation itself, can, can they live forever? I don't know if you'll be able to answer that question in the positive, because you couldn't prove... Well, we'll see. And why do male seahorses carry the babies, the gestation period? Right, and remember, in the next three questions, we will hear the one that Jones the Engineer has described as the worst question that's ever been submitted to Mystery Hour. I wonder if we'll be able to work out what it is. John is in Horsham. John, question or answer? It is a question, James. Hello. <laughs> You're nervous now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm wondering if mine's the last ever question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving anything away. Go on, John. What's the question? Right. The question is okay. Right. So, w when a body dies, and I mean human and animal, yeah. after a few hours, rigor mortis sets in, doesn't it? And it goes hard, and it goes, it, it, it you know, and, the, and all the meats and the muscles and everything yeah. stiffens up. I think so. What I want to know is how do we get juicy breasts? chicken and legs of lamb that are soft and beef and all that mm. if within a matter of hours and i'm talking hours yeah. i mean 
that rigor mortis sets in. It's just, I'm really, I'm really, it sort of perplexes me as to how we manage to do it. Is there something they do to the meat, or I don't know? Uh, I, pr- I, I, th- I just had a penny drop. It could be completely wrong. But isn't it because we drain the blood from the carcasses of the animals that they don't stiffen up? Yeah, but do we drain all the blood? I mean, you know, if I cook a rare piece, if I cook, I mean, I love fillet steak blue, you know, and it yeah. still has blood in it. Yeah. I mean, my missus is always saying, that steak is bloody, you know. Um, yes. so it has bloody some, lovely. I just, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if, if it's the blood that causes the rigmortis or, or if they do something to the meat. And it's just always perplexed me. And I was trying to get on last week, but you were so busy last week. The show was fab last week. But, um, <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm glad you got on. And I can, I, I, can, I can reassure you that you're not the... Uh, not and the... I didn't want to use Google. I wanted to get the answer. The no, answer. It's a really good question. It's, I'll probably have something to do with blood, but I was just thinking out loud, so I was never going to get a round of applause for it anyway. When, when people die, rigor mortis sets in really quickly. So how come animals, we eat them, without apparently them having been affected by any similar phenomenon? Because, well, I, mean, I mean, if my cat brings in a dead mouse, by the morning it's stiff as anything. Exactly. I think we'll leave it there, John. It's 26 minutes after 12. <laughs> Cameron's in Mitcham. Cameron, question or answer? Hi, James. Um, Hi. It's, it, it was originally a question, but now that I'm the, the third person, I'm kind of thinking twice about No, you're it. the second person. You're the second person. The, the first person was an answer. But you're only two oh, out okay. of three. So, so there is, it's not guaranteed that this is the worst question in the history of Mystery Hour, but you're still a contender. Go on. <laughs> okay. Um, my question is, uh, why is Mystery Hour always on a Thursday? <laughs> so it is the one. I, I knew it. <laughs> is it? <laughs> of course it is. It's <laughs> just a daft question. Why is Miss Joe on a Thursday? Which is this? Well, but why? Because uh, well, which day would make more sense? Uh, on a weekend, because uh, I'm not here I'm on the weekend. I'm not here on the weekend. <laughs> Well, you could come for mystery hour only. Um, <laughs> why? Why don't you come to? Why don't you leave your neglected, mewling children, your puppy, and your cats at home for a couple of hours at the weekend, and come in and do mystery hour then for no reason whatsoever, other than Cameron thinks there's something a bit strange about doing it on Thursdays. Well, I'm not curious enough during the week weekdays. I don't have enough time to think about anything, so weekend would make more sense. <laughs> Well, to answer your que- to answer your question in two separate ways, number one is I'm not on air at the weekends, and number two, we do it on a Thursday because the very first time we did it happened to be a Thursday, and it went so well it stuck, and that's my round of applause right there. <laughs> do you know it's a free podcast as well? You don't have to listen live, right? Okay. So you can go to lbc.co.uk or you can go to iTunes and you can download not just this week's, but, but I mean, years worth of podcasts absolutely free. So you could listen to, hey, you could listen to it at the weekend. <laughs> okay, I'll, do, I'll start doing that from now on. <laughs> Look at that, the 21st century galloping to Cameron's rescue. Thank you, mate. Um, thank you for being a good sport as well. Stuart Zimbarnik, question or answer, Stuart? I've got an answer. Come on, then. It's to the trees. Oh, I. Um, even if you were to feed a tree hydroponically and have it in a low gravity situation, uh, and with with the perfect light setup, eventually it will die because of cell replication. Cells can only replicate a certain amount of times, and so therefore all living things come to an end. Mm. Qualifications? It's, it's fine. <laughs> this is a kind of a weak point with me. I have grown things with 
those kind of conditions. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Want, I, don't I, I don't want you to. I drive a white. I drive a white van. I, okay, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want you to incriminate yourself in any way. No, 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 those days are long gone, but, uh, but I have experience with growing trees. Okay, and eventually cell replication will cease. Yes, because of the, on a DNA level... No, but it, how can it? If it's cell replication, how does it know how many replications there's been previously? No, because of a chemical that is attached to the ends of each strand of DNA. Really? Sounding very right. persuasive. Yes, that, that is true. That, is, that was genuinely on... Must be the Discovery Channel or my daughter's homework or something that oh, I picked that up with. Go on, then. Go on. You've yanked my chain. I'll, I'll be coming back for that round of applause, Stuart. White van or no white van, it's half past 12. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. It's 25 to 1. Questions still in need of answers include what, what exactly happens when your funny bone goes funny? How do you navigate in space? And a couple of you have pointed out the questioner actually asked, how on earth do you navigate in space? It's a beautiful sort of turn of phrase, that, but he means in space, not on earth. Uh, why do male seahorses gestate? And why does rigor mortis not affect or not seem to affect the meat what we eat? Leslie is in Brentford. Leslie, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Carry on. And it can only get better from after all wires mystery hour on a Thursday. Well, you so say that, Leslie, um, but I think we might be having a steward's inquiry on my own answer to that question. Oh, which, OK. Yeah, so <laughs> watch this space. OK. <laughs> Bearing in mind nature's so amazing and full of so many wonderful miracles and just sort of takes care of itself, mm. why have we not evolved so that birth, giving birth is anything more than painful and complicated and excruciating. Why, why, bearing in mind we all have to do it in order to bring a baby into the world, why has, why have we not evolved and it's still, I mean it's amazing, but I've never heard anyone say when they've given birth, yep, that was, that was a breeze, can't wait to do that one again. It's, what, why, why is it so painful? Why is giving birth so painful? Yes. Why, shouldn't it be? Bearing well, in mind, we all have to do it. Yeah. Wouldn't you think nature would have made it a very easy process? Well, I, you see, there's two questions here, because obviously the obvious answer to your question is... is oh, that wasn't meant to happen. Carry on. I'll ignore that. Are you sure that's wise? Hey, well, no, yes, OK. Go on, yeah, carry on. All right. Yep. Well, the, ob the, the obvious answer would be that the aperture is a lot smaller than that which needs to pass through it. That's, that's yeah. And you need a lot of nerves in that neck of the woods for a whole variety of reasons that I won't be going into at 12.37 on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. And the question of why haven't we evolved, I, there, I, there won't be an answer to that. Because do you know what I always think about when you look at how evolution really doesn't seem to have delivered yet everything it should have? Teeth. Right. Teeth are stupid. Yeah, this isn't helping me. Teeth, well, think about teeth. Teeth, how have we not evolved just to have sort of like chompy plates in our mouth that don't get rotten, don't fall out, don't get cavities? Yeah, well, you, need to, you need to say mystery hour about that one. Yeah, but it's the same. The answer is just because that evolution, we're not perfect is the answer. Evolution isn't complete. <laughs> but, I mean, this is the basic. No, it's actually, basic. I can, all right, I'll give you an evolutionary answer. Here you go. Because your likelihood to breed is not diminished by the pain of birth. So the only circumstances in which the genes that had somehow created a physiognomy that minimised the pain of birth I would wish be... I wish I hadn't phoned. What, what's the point of me doing this if you're not going to appreciate it? 
Well, I could have, I could have done that. Well, why didn't you? you to tell me. I'm telling you now. The only circumstances in which evolution plays a role in the replication of genes is when that gene's replication increases the likelihood of further replication. So, in order for you to have somehow replicated the genes that delivered a less painful birth, you'd have to have, um, well, you'd still want to. People would, people still. I'll tell you what, I'm going to phone up next time and ask why I've missed three hours on a Thursday. Well, anyhow, I did, the, the ultimate answer to your question is because people still want to do it, even though it hurts a lot. Twelve thirty-eight. Where's my round of applause? <laughs> teeth, though. Why haven't we evolved to get rid of teeth? There's a question. Rob is in Sussex. That's a big place. Whereabouts in Sussex are you, Rob? Uh, kind of near East Grinstead. Carry on, sir. Um, hello, and uh, thank you for taking the call. Uh, I've got an answer for the gentleman who asked about how you navigate in space, but yes. I fear I might disappoint because when you clarified, you mentioned that it was without Earth, effectively. But for the sake of argument, I'll carry on. Yeah. Um, when you're in space, uh, NASA especially have a deep space network, and what they do is they ping a transmitting signal to a probe. Uh, the probe picks it up and sends from it the back, spaceship. Then, yes, yeah, yes. from a probe or a spaceship or anything, would would ping the trans uh, would ping the signal back at Earth. And then the people on the ground would then, or people in space, could then um, calculate using a speed of distance over time just how fast they're moving, what direction they're moving, the trajectory, etc. And that's how you'd navigate from Earth in a spaceship. You know, in the vis- so you couldn't do it without it. You couldn't do it without Earth. So when we were giggling at well, him, saying, "How on Earth do you navigate in space?" <laughs> actually, we shouldn't have been giggling because it is on Earth it's, that it's you navigate. All you need is a, a reference point. So you could pick something really, really far away to navigate yourself around the local area. So yes. say you were in one galaxy, so you could pick another galaxy and use that as a reference point and then calculate your your distance from that all the time. But that would be obviously very difficult because it would take such a long time for the signals to get back and forth. Qualifications, Rob? Um, uh, degree in geology. I think that'll do, won't it? Round of applause for Rob. Oh. Nicely Thank done. You. 12.40. I've got some quite important breaking news for you at this time. I'm just hearing that Abdul Hamid Abaoud, um, the uh, suspected ringleader of the attacks upon Paris this weekend, was killed in those police raids yesterday. We will cl- cross live to Paris for the very latest updates on that in a matter of moments. But if you're just tuning in and you're um, unaware of this, uh, prosecutors say the suspected mastermind of the Paris attacks, Abdel Hamid Abaoud, was killed in those police raids yesterday in the Saint-Denis area of France. Um, his body was found riddled with bullets and shrapnel. More on that, as I say, as it develops. 03456060973 is the number you need to join Mystery Hour. Tracy is in Hawkehurst. Tracy, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Okay, why isn't the pasteurised egg yolk I use um, cooked? Why is it not cooked and hard? What? It's in liquid form. I've just instructed the producers not to put through a question unless they're really interested in the answer to it. And you're asking me... Why, ah, why does pasteurising not cook an egg? Yes. Ah, because they use really low temperatures. Ah. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Round of applause for me. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> Professor Hal is in, uh... Oh, all right, go on then. Hello, James. Hi, Hal. How are you? I'm all right. Me too. What's up? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to address some of the misconceptions that were just uttered about evolution. Yeah, all right then. Okay. First and foremost, human birth is actually um, very painful because our head size has increased, whereas the, the gap in the pelvic girdle hasn't. Oh. And um, that's why... In Say human pelvic girdle again. Pelvic girdle. Carry on. 
um, which is why it's particularly painful and we've had to sort of from time to time opt for things like C-sections. So it's got more painful over the generations? Yes, our head size has increased Gosh. substantially. Because, because um, there is an evolutionary advantage to having a bigger brain, so that would increase the likelihood of you passing on your genes. Yeah. Shall I just shut up? No, 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 don't. Um, right. but, but the point is that this, this, the notion of evolution is that this, it's almost like a strategy to get better and better. It's actually not. It happens by chance. Point mutations um, caused by chance um, a difference, which may be a good difference or a bad difference, and those that inherit the good difference may then find some advantage, uh, right. as you've correctly alluded to, um, and then have a better chance of, of, of uh, procreating, whereas those with bad um, differences clearly won't. So the giraffes that happened to have a longer neck could reach higher and pick the leaves off the trees. They didn't sort of stretch their necks or grow them. It was just the longer neck giraffes had the advantage, and therefore they procreated, the other ones died out, and um, so on and so forth. I, what did I get wrong then? Um, no, I said misconceptions. Uh, the, the point was the evolution had, there was an overriding, um, overriding sort of um, tendency to say that evolution would do this and do that. It doesn't do anything. It's, it's a process which hasn't got a strategy. Sure. And teeth, by the way, um, yes. yeah, teeth. Teeth are actually very good. They're the, enamel is the hardest um, natural known substance. And it's only in the last 500 years, perhaps, since Elizabethan times, that our sugar diet has, has caused these issues. Really? And, um, yeah, I guess you're right, actually. So, I mean, but you could die of a toothache, and well, I suppose that was after sugar started being eaten a lot—a tooth infection, not a toothache. Obviously. Yeah, but um, I think evolution—it takes—it takes longer if you're going to sort of completely change teeth. But I'm not sure there's there's anywhere they can go with teeth. It's it's fit for purpose. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I, I, that's why I said chompy metal plates. I realised that it was an unlikely thing to occur. Um, I should stress because I was so uh, uh, flippant with you at the outset. I, uh, people who are listening and new or for the first time would, would be fascinated to learn that you are the professor of the public understanding of science at the University of Brighton. Delighted. Thank you very much. Do you do you need a round of applause for these clarifications? Do you well, think? If it's there, I mean. Well, let's have a look. Thank you very much indeed, Professor Howell. Michelle Clifford is live in Paris with Sky News, but um, she joins me on the line now. The body has been identified as the suspected ringleader, Abdelhamid Abaoud. This is the Saint-Denis raids yesterday, is it, Michelle? Yes, that's right. Um, he was the individual who was shot dead by police. Two people were killed in that attack, one a suicide bomber. The other was shot dead by police, and the um, forensic teams here were analysing DNA from his body to establish exactly who he was. And we're told now in a statement from the Paris prosecutor, it was indeed him and he was actually identified through saliva traces. So that's obviously a very big moment for uh, the French police and the prosecutor here because he is the man that it has been alleged from the very start was the mastermind behind the attack. Not a man who took part in the attack directly, but he was essentially... Uh, the brains who did the coordination and they were desperate uh, to get him. That's why we saw such a massive police operation uh, yesterday during that raid, launched at 4.30 in the morning. From the outset, the reports were that he was uh, inside that building and we saw over 130 armed police officers engaged in the raid. It lasted for, the shootout itself lasted for over an hour and the prosecutor revealed last night that the police actually fired off five thousand separate rounds so i think that gives you an idea Gosh. of just how intense the battle was and there were grenades uh, thrown during the operation which has partially led to the the building being destroyed but the headline news today which will be perceived as a massive coup for the police in paris is that the alleged mastermind of the attacks last friday 
is now officially dead. Michelle Clifford, very briefly, can, can you remind us of the intelligence that led police to his door? Well, they, they um, say that uh, they had witnessed information. Somebody tipped them off that he, first of all, was in France, and then they got more information that he was actually residing in that area. But they also then um, substantiated that by uh, phone tapping and other information, and they were able to uh, pin down, uh, they thought, um, him to that uh, property and other alleged terrorists. They felt pretty confident yesterday morning, and I mean, it was a massive operation. It was very well planned indeed. They used drones and robots to assist in the operation, but they had had a tip-off from a witness. They had information. They had used um, phone tapping and other corroborating information. They moved in, and it seems now uh, that the prosecution, according to the prosecutor here, they have indeed uh, got their man identified from saliva traces. Michelle Clifford for Sky News and indeed for LBC in Paris. Many thanks indeed. If you're just joining us, the suspected ringleader of the Paris attacks is, according to the French prosecutor's office, uh, dead, killed during those raids in the Saint-Denis region yesterday. Abdelhamid Abaoud was killed in the Saint-Denis raid. Um, Michelle Clifford telling us there that the DNA evidence culled from his saliva was responsible for the identification. Some reports claiming it was a fingerprint, but, but either way, Little doubt, or indeed close to no doubt, that the French authorities have killed the man responsible for the attacks in Paris on Friday night. The time now is 12.47. 12.52, there's not a lot of time left, but there are still a few questions in need of resolutions. The funny bone, the redwood trees, oh, we've done the trees, yeah, we've done the trees, although Zach's been back in touch. There is a song called Zach's Back, it's in that film Seven Psychopaths. It, well, it wasn't from Pulp Fiction, I grant you, but Zach's back is a, is a thing. I wasn't going completely mad. And Zach has been back in touch by email to say he wasn't entirely happy with the answer. I'm not sure we're going to be able to improve upon it in the time available, Zach, so I apologise for, for letting you down. The seahorses um, gestation practices, it's the male that does the, the, the bulk of the work, which is odd and possibly unique in the natural world. Have we any idea why? And given that rigor mortis is clear, clearly a thing, how come the meat we eat is so sweet and tender? Uh, 03456060973, if you can answer any of those. Very briefly, the breaking news this hour, of course, is that Abdul Hamid Abaoud, the suspected mastermind of the Paris terror attacks, was killed in that raid in Saint-Denis yesterday. And it's, it seems to me a pertinent moment just to reflect briefly on all of the controversy that's thrown up whenever anybody suggests that it was a, a shame that somebody like that was killed. So you might say it was a shame that Osama bin Laden was killed or a shame that so-called, uh, well, I don't use his nickname, I call him Mohammed Mwazi, was killed. Um, and, that, and I think I just understood why when that story dropped there because it takes away immediately any chance of ever finding out as much as you possibly could about who was behind him, who was helping him, what he was doing, how he did. And yes, you can dig into the backstory, you can dig into the past, you can dig into the evidence, but none of it will be as powerful as being able to interrogate the individuals responsible. So when you hear somebody saying that, I think that's all they mean. I don't think people like Jeremy Corbyn are saying, oh, it'd be great if Osama bin Laden could still be running around free. I think they're saying it would have been great if we could have caught him and absolutely filleted him of information um, rather than seeing that opportunity disappear forever, as we just have in the Paris case. Although I can't imagine any right-thinking person on the planet will be mourning the news that this monster is dead. Philip 
Sorry, back to the lighter-hearted territory of mystery. Uh, Philip's in Goffsoak. Question or answer, Philip? Hi, good afternoon. It's an answer to the why you go stiff and then you go, well, the meat, why you can eat Whoa, 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 whoa. We've, we've, got, we've got a sexual health programme running at the weekends now, presented by Lucy Beresford. I just, I just need to clarify what, why carcasses and corpses uh, stiffen up under rigor mortis. I, 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 I don't want you to answer the other bit necessarily no no, no. We'll keep that one away Go on, then. um basic the, the basic premise is that you have two chemicals in your body that's in muscles one's called actin one's called myosin and when you activate the muscle they form a breakable bond and they kind of pull each other along like a, a rower rowing through a, a river and that's what pulls the muscle and makes it contract you have an enzyme which breaks that bond down and it continually keeps reforming when you die, that enzyme is no longer produced, and so that bond goes into uh, a, a continuous mode. So it sticks. It sticks so and it's yeah, firm. It sticks stiff. stiff. Yes. And then after a, a period of, um, shall we say, decomposition, uh, that bond begins to break down and you loosen back up again. Oh, so, so the stuff we eat did go through rigor mortis and then it just yeah, softened yeah, up again? Yeah, you, you kill a cow and within, within half an hour to an hour, it's stiff as a board. <laughs> Qualifications? <laughs> I've got uh, BSc honours in human biology. That'll do. Great work, Philip. Terry's in Stoke Newington. Terry, question or answer? Uh, answer, James. Carry on, Terry. Uh, it's the seahorse question. Um, the, the male doesn't actually lay eggs. He takes them off the female. Uh, the female produces the eggs. He protects them from predation for a period until they hatch, and then he just releases them. I knew I, the question was why, not how. Why is it the man that does it, not the woman? The, the male seahorse doesn't actually give birth. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know, but, but we don't know why is the answer, and nobody knows. But I'm going to give you a round of applause for telling us the bit that we do know. All right? Okay, okay. Cheers, Terry. Okay. Don't know. Don't need to know. Nobody knows. Hazel is in Hammersmith. Question or answer, Hazel? Hello, James. Hello, it's Hazel. A, it's an answer. Carry on. An answer to the question about the funny bone. Yes, what's going on? So what's happening is that when you hit that small area on your elbow, you're hitting the ulnar nerve against the end of the humerus, hence the name funny bone. Yes. And it's the ulnar nerve that supplies feeling to the little finger and the ring finger. And that's where you get the funny pins and needles feeling. Oh, uh, qualifications? I'm a nurse. So what, have you, have you phoned in before? I have. It was actually an elbow question a couple of weeks ago. What, why, why the elbow does what the elbow does? Um, and the question was, what's the inside of the elbow called? You, so you are now the official Mystery Hour elbow expert? Uh, yes, I seem to be. Hazel, that's fantastic. <laughs> Hazel, the elbow expert there. Uh, Thank you very much. Knocking another one out of the park. Thank you, Hazel. Ricardo is in Felton. Question or answer, Ricardo? I have an answer slash Stuart's Inquiry, James. Stuart's Inquiry? Which question? Yeah. Uh, why is Mystery Hour on a Thursday? Well, how can you know more about that than me? It's my life. Because you produce a lot of shows I just listen, so you've got to remember a hell of a lot more than I do. Yeah, go on. sad. Go on. Right, so from what I remember, Tuesday was the Tuesday free-for-all. Oh, yeah. Wednesday was Prime Minister's Questions. Yeah. Thursday was Mystery Hour. Friday was John Cushing's World of Sport. And then you put in the uh, Quiz of the Week, and that also went. So I believe Mystery Hour is a long line of kind of additions that eventually went by the wayside but managed to stay mate what happened on mondays i don't think we had a monday mate and other than you had the um oh god like do you know what i can't remember the treasure hunt but i don't know if that was monday treasure hunt as well yeah you're right john cushing's world so of i sport. believe it's 
So you've just phoned up to correct me. You correct me on a fact about my own program. Pretty much, man. I want to get the world of sport back. I miss it. I'll I'll pass your thoughts on to John Cushing. He's a very important man now. Round of applause for Ricardo. I just can't believe that's just happened. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow from 10. I think we ticked everything off the board, didn't we? Pretty much. What an astounding mystery hour that was. I'm James O'Brien. This is LBC. And the next voice you will hear belongs to Sheila Fogarty. Thank you, James.